0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air, I'm Rachel Lipman. Earlier this month, the Missouri Coalition for the Environment launched a campaign aimed at getting the word out about farmers who are engaging in responsible agriculture practices and ethically raising their animals and growing their food. Here in the studio to talk to us about what the new Known and Grown project entails, as well as broader implications for growers and consumers, are the Missouri Coalition's Farm and Food Director, Melissa Vatterat, and its local food coordinator, Ray Miller. Melissa and Ray, welcome to the program today.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having
0: us. It's a pleasure to have you. Melissa, what is Known and Grown? Tell us a little bit about what this program kind of is. Known and Grown STL is our new
1: program to celebrate and promote environmentally responsible farmers within a 100 mile, excuse me, 150 mile radius around St. Louis, which we call the St. Louis foodshed.
0: And and how did the idea for this come about? Where did you see the need uh, to to do this this connecting?
1: Well, Missouri Coalition for the Environment leads the St. Louis Food Policy Coalition and many members of the Food Policy Coalition together with many of the farmers that my colleague Ray Miller works with were signaling that there was a need for consumers to have clarity about what local farmers are doing on their farms and the farmers that we know who are dedicated to protecting soil health and water quality indicated to us that they could use assistance in telling their story and spreading the word.
0: And Ray, what were those conversations like when you were talking to these farmers? Uh, Were you doing surveys or how did you kind of get the idea to to go out and and ask these farmers what it was they were needing?
2: Yeah, it's a combination of things. Um, Surveys for sure, but as well um, visiting farmers at their farm, going to the farmer's market, talking to farmers in person is key. Uh, we host a couple of farmer meetings every year to bring farmers together. And yeah, marketing is just one of the top needs of farmers in our region. Um, it's hard to be really good at farming and really good at marketing so we're here to help with that.
0: And so tell me how it is that Known and Grown kind of makes bridges those gaps. It's, it, I, are you advertising for them or how is this working?
1: Well, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page that we are using to highlight the farmers in the program. We have 12 farmers in the program right now with another dozen farmers waiting to be audited to be able to be part of the program. So we're using those spaces to to tell their stories. Um, The website allows you to learn about each farm and learn about their practices as well as where you can buy their product. Um, and then we will also be sharing with farmers the known and grown STL logo that they can put on their products should they choose to and we'll have the opportunity to display the known and grown logo at the farmers market and whatever other places they uh, sell their
0: product. What is the criteria for a farm that might be interested in coming into the known and grown fold?
2: Yeah the criteria can get um, it's a bit detailed but just to kind of summarize for if you're a farmer that's growing fruits or vegetables um, We ask that you don't use synthetic chemicals. We hear that that's something that most eaters are interested in. They want to know how they can get local food that hasn't been sprayed with synthetic chemical. Uh, For animals, we just want to highlight farmers that are raising their animals humanely. Uh, Most people are interested in knowing who has uh, animals that are being raised outside, in the sunshine, eating bugs, uh, being able to frolic. Uh, (laughs) So we have uh, detailed criteria on the Known and Grown website. um, But yeah, things regarding uh, rotating animals on pasture, uh, are they grass-fed
0: versus grain-fed, and so on and so forth. We hear a lot of words around food. There's organic, there's free range, there's GMO, all sorts, what is different about what these farmers within the known and grown rubric are doing as opposed to someone who may say that, you know, ours are free range or our food is organic?
1: So the farmers in the program may be doing some of those things. What we're trying to do is help uh, St. Louisans and others within the St. Louis food shed be able to have a one-stop shop where they can learn about those practices and be able to know about those farmers right here in the region.
0: So they aren't necessarily doing things that are above and beyond something being called organic, or or maybe they are.
1: They could be, um, but organic is also good. Many farmers of small scale, which are many of the farmers in our network, um, haven't taken the time to become USDA certified organic because it can be um, a lot of paperwork. Again, farmers are doing what they love when they're farming. And so all of these other things, you know, filling out paperwork, applying for certifications might be kind of burdensome. So we've made a very easy process for farmers to be able to show to us, yeah, they're doing organic practices or maybe something else. Um, And that's enough for us to help celebrate them and tell their story.
0: What's the return been so far for some of these farmers? I know it's not a very, it hasn't been around for very long, but what are they telling you that the benefit has been?
2: Yeah, they're already getting calls and emails from people that have heard about Known and Grown and want to buy from them directly,
0: so uh, we're pretty excited about that. I know that the goal has been to kind of get farmers to market their goods. Are you working in any way to let consumers know that this label is out there? Yeah. Uh, yeah tell, yes. tell us a little bit about kind of the, that outreach effort.
1: Well, um, like you said, it, it's only been around for a little while, started June 1. So um, we're just here within the first month of the program. But we have been over the last several months leading up to the program, um, being in public spaces, presenting to community groups. Um, we speak to Slow Food St. Louis's monthly speaker series, letting people know about the program and knowing to look out for it. Um, and we will also be at further community events throughout. We're excited that we're about to bring on a known and grown STL manager to help us do more of this community outreach. So that person will be starting mid-July.
0: And we'll get into a conversation in a little bit about ethical food production and consumption more broadly as an issue. But I did wanna welcome a third voice to our conversation today. Nikki Morgan is one of the co-founders of Heartbeat Farms that's in Lincoln County, Missouri. And she, as I understand it, has been in from the beginning. Nikki, thanks for taking a little bit of time to speak to us from the farm today. Thank you, thanks for having us. Tell us a little bit about Heartbeat Farms. What is it that makes it unique?
3: Um, Well, at Heartbeat Farm, we started in 2015 and we're a multi-generational, so it's myself, my wife, Uh, Katie Hostedler and my two parents, Daryl Morgan and Beth Morgan, we all run the farm together. And when you were talking before about a little bit beyond organic, that's what we do. So no pesticides at all, no herbicides, no synthetic chemicals. We do a lot of more unique pest management than a lot of farms. So we're not your conventional farm and not your conventional
0: vegetable farm for sure. I understand that you use bats and predator insects as some of those natural uh, insect control measures.
3: Yes. With the assistance of the NRCS, we work to install bat habitat in 10 acres of our woods, which helps with natural pest control. But additionally, we do introduce beneficial insects to the farm, such as green lace wings, assassin bugs, um, parasitic wasps. Those things can help manage naturally the pests that we have on the farm without having to use harmful pesticide
0: sprays. What was it about known and grown that intrigued you and led you to go through the process of joining this this marketing and 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 uh, outreach effort?
3: Well, we've been working with the Missouri Coalition for the Environment and Melissa and Ray for a while now on various things, and it just was a natural fit for us. You know, we do engage in a lot of conservation practices, and it's a good way for us to communicate with our consumers just another level of what we're committed to. You know, not everyone can come out and visit the farm and see what we're doing for themselves, so this is another way to say, hey, we've been checked out. We're really doing the things we say we're doing.
0: I know it has been a short period of time that you've been under it, but have you been able to see any benefit yet from Known and Grown?
3: Yes, we've been telling people, uh, you know, at the market, we're very excited about the program. Um, It's good for us to be able to show, you know, other farms that we can help um, support as well. I think that the response is going to grow as more people do know about the program. As Melissa said, it's only been around for the first month now. So um, I definitely see some increase and it will continue over time.
0: What do you ultimately think the the goal of this farm and and of known and grown should be for for you kind of personally? How are you hoping to use the program?
3: You know, like I said, a way to really communicate with consumers. But I'm hoping that it helps to advocate for more conservation practices on farms um, to get more people interested in farming more sustainably. Um, and more consumers interested in buying food from farmers that they know um, and that they trust in how they grow their food.
0: Nikki, we can hear some birds in the background, and it's great. Do you have any idea what, what birds those are hanging out at your farm right now?
3: Oh, there are do- dozens of different kind of birds. Um, there's been a quail following me this morning. I'm not sure what you're hearing loud at the moment, but um, we our field is surrounded on four sides by woods, so there are Birds everywhere.
0: And where can people get more information about Heartbeat Farms and some of the products that, that you offer and where they might be able to find your goods?
3: So you can visit
0: our website at
3: www.heartbeatfarm.com. That's H-A-R-T-B-E-E-T. And uh, we're also on social media, so at Heartbeat Farm on Instagram or Facebook as well.
0: And why was it that some of these farming practices were important to you? Very quickly. It's
3: just very important for us to be good stewards of the land. I mean, pure and simple, we should be regenerating the land, not degenerating it. And so that's been the basis for the way we farm since the very beginning. And that that has driven all of our choices about the
0: way we farm. Nikki Morgan of Heartbeat Farms, thank you for taking the time. We appreciate you taking the breakout from farming. We'll be right back with uh, Melissa Vatterod and Ray Miller of the Missouri Coalition for the Environment to talk a little bit more about ethical farming and food practices. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Now back to our conversation with Melissa Vatterott and Ray Miller of the Missouri Coalition for the Environment on their Known and Grown program. And the coalition turns 50 years old this year. And how is it that, how is Known and Grown kind of a natural extension of the work that the coalition's been doing for those 50 years?
1: Yes, we are so excited to turn 50 years old this year. And um, since our inception in 1969, MCE has been focused on systemic change and policy change. When we began, there was no EPA or DNR, and so we were working to develop those environmental laws and make sure that they are enforced. Now we are using different avenues for advancing the systemic and policy change that we need. And a lot of that is grassroots-based, community-backed. And so we are so excited. to be able to launch Known and Grown during our 50th year. We've always known that how our food is grown and where it's grown has an impact on our environment. And so it's an exciting opportunity to be able to lift up the farmers in our region that are committed
0: to those practices. I'm wondering what the broader goal is for the coalition around food production and sourcing in St. Louis. How does Known and Grown fit into kind of a broader a broader look I know that you took at kind of creating Better connections between farms and institutions.
2: Yeah, so uh, because known and grown will help with the marketing not only on the farmer side, but incre- increasing um, consumer awareness of who our farmers are, what are they, what are their practices, why do they matter, uh, where can they buy their products. We're hoping that known and grown will increase the supply and demand of local food in the St. Louis region. Uh, our our long-term goal, meaning about five years out. Uh, we're hoping to have a thriving farm-to-institution local food system here in St. Louis, meaning um, given The soil, water, and sunshine that we have in Missouri and Illinois, we are capable of growing uh, vegetables, fruits, grain, and raising animals in this climate. So we uh, have every capability to
0: grow the food that our residents need here. And what are some of the—I know that there was a study that you guys did that Known and Grown kind of grew out of. When you look at the current environmental, structural, et cetera, situation in this region— What are some of the barriers that are being faced to a true farm-to-institution sourcing here in the St. Louis area?
2: Yeah, there are a lot of barriers in the process, both on the farmer end and the buyer end. Um, A lot of red tape, um, just simple things like delivery, placing orders, paying bills. Um, You'd be surprised to know. But yeah, we're we're looking to help farmers and buyers both address those barriers. one by one slowly over time so we can help make a a robust
0: supply chain here in St. Louis. How much of this is something that the Missouri Coalition can do and how much of this is gonna require outside actors to to act? Great
1: question. Well given that MCE leads the St. Louis Food Policy Coalition many of the partners that we have in this food system work um, are in a position to help us advance some of these needs um, We feel that the marketing piece is something that we can certainly advance and given the network of farmers that we already have and with our partners, we will be working closely with partners to figure out how to best develop um, delivery and distribution assistance throughout the region and um, also help capture food that would otherwise go to waste. I don't know, Ray, if you have anything else.
2: Yeah, so Rachel, to answer your question, MCE definitely can't do this work alone. Uh, We're very motivated and energetic, and we're going to do the best we can, but it's going to require the support of many of the organizations we work closely with that also work with farmers in the region, and also um, working directly with a lot of the farmers. Uh, You know, these things need to work
0: for them. And then also everyone out there listening, we need your help too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> are there are there policy changes? Obviously, you know, just information is important. But are there policy changes that, you know, larger actors such as city, state, uh, county would have to do to really create a true farm to institution infrastructure in this region?
1: I don't think that policy is necessary for building out the farm to institution supply chain that we're looking for. But I um Certainly, there are policy changes that could be made to help more farmers get into this type of farming and feel that they are supported by public and private institutions across the state, and um, it would be against everything in my body to not mention the federal farm bill which gives support to farmers nikki morgan was mentioning earlier that she has gotten conservation funding from the natural resource conservation service and those funding dollars come from our federal farm bill so it's important for our federal legislation to continue to support sustainable food and farming
0: systems. What's an example of um, the, you you had mentioned um, some of the the things that you might want to be changed on the local level. What's an example of that policy that maybe kind of stands in the way or makes it a little bit harder for the farmers that you're working with to access that, that pipeline?
1: I guess I would just say that states, including Missouri, have passed state-level legislation um, that has incentivized uh, government institutions to buy from local farmers. And so we have um, a bill at the we have a, a state law in Missouri that encourages public institutions to source locally. And so we would hope that more public institutions would take advantage of that, see that see that incentive, and um, take action with
0: it. You keep mentioning a lot of the benefits to the way to with food is produced ethically by some of these farmers. what What kind of in general can how do these farmers benefit the environment with the practices that they're using?
1: Great question. Um, well, when it comes to using um, chemical inputs or not, by not using chemical inputs,, um, you're ensuring that our water quality is protected from having those chemicals uh, run off of farm fields or running through our soil into groundwater. Um, Rotating farmers on pasture, I'm sorry, rotating animals on pasture um, helps ensure that the, um, the plant life that the animals are feeding off of can revive and can grow back. And it's also ensuring that the soil quality Um, that the soil is not being overly compacted from animals staying on one parcel of a farm property for too long.
0: How do you get people to think a little bit more about food in these terms? I think a lot of people think of it as, you know, I'm going to eat this, it's filling my stomach, it's providing me the nutrition. How do you shift them to think about production and the impact that production can have on the environment that they're living in?
2: Yeah, I think when people have the opportunity to meet their farmer and go to the farm and get a hands-on experience, that really sticks with them uh, for the rest of their lives. Um, So we're hoping that with Known and Grown, people will be able to literally meet their farmer, at least get to see what they look like, what their story is, where are they, uh, how big is their farm, and get kind of a sense of, oh, wow, my food is actually coming from this family in this small town in my you know backyard or, or very close to my home. And, and that connection with, uh, I think we're all so disconnected from our food and where our food comes from. So creating that connection to to where our food comes from, I think is what resonates most with people
0: and I'm guessing that disconnection is just a product of the nature of of farming these days that we don't live by the producer. We don't farming is not something that everyone does to produce their own food these days.
1: yes, and that we have a global food system that prioritizes uh, specialization of certain crops in certain countries and creating agreements where we're importing you know, uh, peppers from Chile more than we are supplying peppers from farms only 30 minutes away from, from our, you know, local grocery store. And so um, I think that this this program is, is getting back to, you know, what MCE has always been wanting to do is bring people together and advocate for a change that's best for our health and our environment. And um, we need a new system that works for our health and our environment long-term. And by buying from farmers in the program, consumers can can learn about their practices and actually have a conversation about how those practices are impacting them and the environment.
0: Where are the leverage points that individuals who are you know interested in buying from known and grown farmers because of their practices where can they they use their power to shift towards benefiting ethical production as opposed to you know agreements to trade peppers from Chile instead of from the farmer down the road?
1: Um, I think, one of the great ways we see Known and Grown uh, potentially expanding is for consumers to let their local grocery store or their favorite restaurant know that these are the practices that they care about and that they would love to see those restaurants and stores source from these farmers. Um, I think that those, those entities would, res- would respond to consumer demand and that would really have a huge impact on our food system.
0: You mentioned this a little bit in terms of the trade policies that we have signed. Are there any other examples of economic and political policies that really drive the way that we relate to food these days, do you think? And you mentioned trade agreements. Are there other things that you just think of where there's external pressures on, on how we think about food and farming? I would say
1: yes, absolutely, through that federal farm bill I mentioned. Um, The federal government incentivizes commodity production over fruits and vegetables, so commodities thinking of corn and soybeans. And so that's very much seen here in our region. When you drive I-70 or I-55, you see corn and soy everywhere. And as a result, there does feel like a disconnect geographically and all these other ways because the fruits and vegetables that uh, we mostly consume are not here. And even the I'm sorry that are not grown here but even the products that are grown here um, they're not abundant um, actually within the 150 miles around st louis 0.2 uh, percent of our cropland grows fruits and vegetables so if we can advocate for policy change at the federal level to help farmers feel that they have a choice between growing commodity production commodity uh, crops and fruit and vegetable um,
0: crops that would really help How do you scale up ethical production in terms of to meet the demand that is out there? You've got 0.2%, as you mentioned, of the land growing fruits and vegetables. I'm sure that's not even all farms that are within the practices that Known and Grown looks for. How do you scale up the type of production that falls under the Known and Grown rubric to meet some of the demand that's out there?
2: That's a hard question to answer, Rachel. Um, I think part of the answer is slowly. Uh, We don't want to scale up too quickly. Um, Another part of the answer is it's really coming back to demand. So that's why we, we really think Known and Grown could help because individuals have so much power in the space more than they might believe. And if if we can increase demand for these products and we can get to the point where we know we have more than uh two percent of our cropland growing fruits and vegetables, um point two percent. Sorry. Um amazing a little well, bit of a difference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um yeah it, so the commodity farmers need incentive to switch to vegetable and fruit production as well. Um, so we have to work on the supply and demand side at the same time.
0: Um, Another concern I can think of too in known and grown food is is just the cost of it. It's great. There's a wonderful benefit to it. It's probably more nutritious than some of the food we're eating. but. For example, one of the farms uh, hippie hippie farms with the with the with the green, goat green yoga, hippie. green, green hippie is you know they're baking us nine dollars a pound. And if I'm a woman or a mother or a father on a limited budget, I'm going to look at that and go, "I can't afford this." How do you you know deal with the cost side of this more beneficial food?
1: Uh, Well, I think as the demand increases, farmers will feel that they can lower their price slightly, but of course that doesn't have an impact right now for the single mom. Um, What's fortunate about the St. Louis region, uh, we have a program called the Double Up Food Bucks program, which makes it possible for um, families that participate in the SNAP program who have EBT cards to be able to buy local products basically for half price. There's a dollar per dollar matching uh, that happens through the Double Up Food Bucks program when you buy local products. And so um, we are working with small stores in the St. Louis area that are committed to s- supplying local products. And um, you know, if they can buy more from the known and grown farmers, then consumers of all income levels will be able to access those products
2: in an affordable way.
0: What does this success look like for you guys when it comes to known and grown?
2: Yeah, uh, we'd love to see uh, the farmers in the Known and Grown program, which we're hoping to uh, get upwards of, you know, 50 to 100 farmers enrolled in the next year. We're hoping to have them come to us and say, hey, I'm I'm selling out of everything. I, (laughs) uh, I need access to more land. I need these other resources now because marketing is no longer an issue for us.
0: And how can farmers who might be interested in coming under the Known and Grown umbrella find more information about the program and get into being audited? If
1: you go to knownandgrownstl.org, there is an interest form that farmers can complete. And within the next month, farmers will be contacted once our known and grown manager comes
0: on board. That is Melissa Baderot. She is the Farm and Food Director for the Missouri Coalition for the Environment. Also joining us today was Ray Miller, the coalition's local food coordinator. Melissa and Ray, thank you guys very much for joining us in the studio today. Thank you. Thanks so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.